And now, from his private island somewhere in the Pacific, beneath the wind-swept palm trees, the purveyor of the tropical and the topical, finding fun and seduction in the construction and consumption of rum, your friend and mine, the one and only, Tiki Man. Who knows where, fatigued with straying, where my final rest will be, in the south where palm trees are swaying, underneath a linden tree? Shall the desert be my host, buried by a stranger's hand, or along some ocean coast shall I slumber in the sand? Still, God's sky will be my cover. There as here and every night, overhead the stars will hover, lamps to give the dead their light. Heinrich Hein. Good evening. Anyway, so let's talk about injustice and a small town in Missouri. There was a murder there. Could have been a lot more. <clears throat> anyway, the place was called uh, uh, Skidmore, northwest corner of the state. And Skidmore, Skidmore is kind of like, just like it sounds. Uh, you know, if you skid anymore, you, you, you end up outside the other side of town. It's like less than, it was less than 500 people in this place just a small town everybody knew everybody else including this um a-hole that lived right outside town uh the guy's name was ken mcclory and i have to look at this i i have just names i have names because i'm horrible with names i cannot remember names it's just a thing one side of my brain i can hear a piece of music Right after I hear it, I can hum the whole thing by memory. I'm the same way with like faces. When I see a face, I'll remember the face. When it comes to numbers, dates, and names, I'm totally lost. So anyway, this Ken uh, McClurry, people thought, people thought that this guy, I mean, he was a little slow. He knew how to do some things. Uh, he knew how to, like, hunt. He knew his way around guns. In fact, he had an arsenal. He, um, people would say, yeah, just, you know, just cut him some slack. You know, he probably fell off a hay truck when he was a, a child. But in McClary's case, he actually did fall off a hay truck when he was a child. In fact, later on in his life, when he was working uh, some site, uh, a piece of steel or metal of some kind came down and hit him, causing some injury that uh, he never really got over. He would suffer pain in his in his back. And um, that and the fact that he was kind of slow, he he was he was really kind of a a, a dick. He um, was was called the town um bully but it, it actually went beyond that um he he had quite a quite a record 
the one thing that he knew how, knew how to do was, was beat the rap. Uh, he had money. He had lots of money. A lot of that coming from what he stole. Uh, he would steal cattle, uh, farm animals, pigs. He would steal um, uh, booze. Just about anything. Anything that was, that he could resell for a profit, he stole it. And uh, generally speaking, if he stole something in, uh, in and around uh, Skidmore area, he would go to another county to sell it. In fact, he had kind of this network thing where uh, somebody give him a call and say, hey, Ken, I need, uh, I need something. I need this. And he'd be like, oh, okay. And he'd go steal it or whatever. And he was brought up on charges on 20... On 24, a couple dozen times, uh, m many of them felony charges, and each time he beat the rap, every time. Now, something you got to know about this guy, he was big. He was 6'3", weighed about 270 pounds, and he was intimidating, and he knew it, and he knew how to use it. And the problem with trying to convict this guy of anything when uh, when he knows who you are and you're sitting on the jury, yeah, it's um, and especially when he's been known to violence. Now he uh, he was married several times. He he was married to a second wife, uh, Alice, I think her name was, and uh, while married to Alice, uh, he. Uh, he kidnapped, well, not kidnapped, he raped a 14-year-old girl and got her pregnant. Um, but his attorney, a guy, from, a guy from Chicago, the guy was a shyster. I mean, he could, he could twist anything around. So his attorney gave him some friendly advice. Um, and what happened was is uh, Ken decided he'd marry the the 14 year old girl because she became pregnant when she became pregnant she reported the rape see so to get out of the rape charge he forced her into marrying him and she moved in with him and his second wife uh, alice in the same house but after uh after she had the kid uh she ran off And I can't remember if that's where she went, went to her parents' house or, yeah, it was her parents' house. And uh, he wanted her back. So he went and got her. He went and kidnapped her from her parents' house. I think this, yeah, this might have been before she he got married, married her. But anyway, he kidnapped her from his her parents' house, shot the dog, and burned the house down. And he wasn't prosecuted on that one either. There's no witnesses, see. Even though everyone knew what, who it was, right? But uh, all these felonies and stuff, assaults. Uh, there was one guy, a farmer, by the name of uh, Ormain Henry. Now, Ormain Henry uh, knew that uh, McClory was, like, poaching on his property and trying to steal uh, livestock and so forth. And um, one day he saw McClory and he was out there shooting and on 
the property. So uh, Henry went 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 out to uh, basically confront him. <clears throat> so what happened is McClory decided he was just going to shoot the guy, which he did. He shot him in the gut, and um, he shot again. I think it was part part of him in in his face. Uh, I don't know if it was birdshot or double lot buck. I don't know if it was an 18 gauge or 12 gauge. But he was shot a couple times. He survived. And, uh, of course, they arrested McClory and uh, took him to court. You know, by this time, you know, the town has pretty much had it up to, you know, with this with this guy. Um, he was co constantly bullying people. And, uh, I mean, if you want he wanted a favor from you. You better give him that favor. You know, that's just the way he was. So um, anyway, went to court, and all of a sudden, McClory comes up with these two witnesses, and both witnesses, who happen to be fellow hunters and friends of his, um, decided, let's go ahead and put his picture up. I mean, you might as well, right? There we go. Anyway, that's him. That's Ken McClory. Oh, McElroy. McElroy. McElroy is, I think, the actual name, the way that you pronounce his name. <clears throat> so anyway, so these two, <clears throat> these two guys who knew McElroy came and testified in court that McElroy was with them somewhere else when the farmer Henry got shot. So <clears throat> case dismissed. No one knows why these two guys did that. Either <clears throat> either he threatened them or he paid them off. Now, Ken McElroy was always flush with cash. Always. And the property he owned was his own. And he had, I don't remember how, how many uh, dozens of acres he had out there. So the town marshal, guy by the name of Dave Dunbar, town marshal. Well, his job was basically to keep peace in this little hamlet. And he wasn't a trained law enforcement officer. He was just some guy who was laying sheetrock or something. And he was looking for a job. And the mayor said, hey, you know what? We could use a guy you know, as a town marshal. And essentially, for the most part, the job of the town marshal was, oh, sometimes you might have to put down a rabid dog or um, maybe there's an argument going on at the, at the local drinking hole, the uh, D&G Tavern. Usually, it's, usually there's no violence or anything going much. No crimes, really, to speak of. So being a town marshal was, wasn't too bad a job. He wouldn't wear the badge. He would wear plain clothes. He was in his own car. And he bought. He had to buy a gun, but he bought it with his own money because the city didn't provide him with a gun, and he kept that in the glove box. Kind of a Barney Fife kind of a situation. 
So when it came to Ken McElroy, he uh, he he always, you know, kind of, you know, treated treated Ken with a little, you know, a little soft touch. You know, hey, hey, Ken, how how you doing? You know, ah. and um, the thing is though that McElroy didn't like him because he had a bad in fact he would tease him something horrible hey where's your badge you know crap like that you know you know just kind of needling the guy but this kind of went on and on with this guy this McElroy I don't know for how long but uh let's see here the 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 farmer was shot in the gut I think in either 79 or 80 79 I think by the time 1980 rolled around uh, there, there were other charges pending, but here again, he would always like threaten the witnesses. Let's say he would stalk the witnesses. Anyone that had anything to do with these cases, he would like pull up in his pickup truck in front of their house, and he'd just sit there, smoke cigarettes, let them know that he's watching them. That kind of crap. And needless to say, this bothered people a lot. And he'd go into the uh, D&G tavern and he'd tell people, yeah, that's so-and-so, he's going to wind up dead. Yeah, he shows up in court. I'd hate to be him if I get out. That type of stuff. So like, so needless to say, he was a bully. And, 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 and he would shoot you. If he had a gun, in fact, he wouldn't really confront you hand-to-hand -hand type of situation. He wasn't one to go into the, being a brawl. He would rather just walk off, grab a gun, come back, and shoot you. The guy was slow. I mean, that's basically what he knew how to do. So uh, then we come to this, uh, his child bride, Trina. Who by, by by the time that 1981 rolled around, she was completely brainwashed by him, and you know, oh, she loved him and all this kind of stuff. His ex-wife was even there living with him. It's kind of a weird situation, you know. But you know, he had to have his own way about everything, and you better go along with whatever it was he what he wanted. He's that kind of a guy. So it was nothing for him to have a couple of wives and a parcel full of kids running around. And this is your mom. This one's your mom. <laughs> so um, one day, one of his kids, it was a three-year-old, uh, walked into the general store. And there was some kind of an argument over a piece of candy, penny candy, that the kid had taken off the counter. And... Um, and, and, and I don't think it was Trina that was with the kid or somebody else and saying, no, you can't have that. It was the oldest daughter saying, you can't have that. We didn't pay for that. And so she made him put it back. Then on the way out the door, he grabbed another one. And, you know, and, and the people in the store, they were fine. I mean, they were just like, oh, he doesn't know any better, blah, blah, blah. Well, it just so happens <laughs> that Ken McClory was over across the street at the D&G having some drinks and we heard and when he heard about this he uh he he blew up you know 
How dare he accuse my three-year-old kid of stealing one of those? So we walked over there, and um, and uh, they kind of explained the situation. Everything was okay. Everything was fine. And he says, "Fine, I'll take a pack of camels or whatever." And they just and they refused to serve the guy. He says, "Well, we do choose our customers, you know that kind of crap." That that pissed him off. You don't you don't do that to Ken McClory. So he walks back across the street and he's telling buddy everybody in the place that the owners of this uh, store better watch out. And he started stalking them, parking in front of their house, calling them on the phone. You know who this is? Crap like that. Things that there are laws against nowadays. 1981, though, in Missouri. Well, that's a different story. Well, anyway, uh, the, one of the owners uh, of the store was a guy by the name of uh, Bowen Camp. Now, Bowen Camp, everyone called him Bo, friendly guy, elderly guy. This guy was like 72 years old, 70 freaking two years old, all right? And McElroy had it out for him. So it's just one afternoon, he was, uh, McElroy takes his truck going down the alleyway behind the store and sees Bo sitting up on the porch. And he gets out, takes his shotgun, walks up to the porch, racks around, points it at uh, Bo, and Bo saw something in his eyes. He knew he was going to shoot, so he kind of dove just as McElroy shot. The shotgun. And one of the uh, pellets or whatever was in it uh, got him on the left side of the neck, went through. I guess it missed the carotid artery. But uh, half the town showed up, you know, and they got a uh, medic ambulance to take him in or whatever. And the sheriff of the county um, asked, got the name you know, out of him, and they arrested McElroy. But the thing about this is that his shyster attorney got him off on bail. Okay, so so he was arrested and he was arraigned and then he released on bail like the same day. <laughs> so he was out doing the same crap again. And there were four witnesses that were in the uh, district attorney or prosecuting attorney's case and so he had his hands full. He was he was going after all four of them. One of which was the town marshal, this Dave Dunbar. Saw Dave Dunbar in the street one afternoon. He got out of the truck and he pulls out his uh, shotgun again. And he walks up to Dave. And he points the shotgun in his face. Didn't shoot. He says, let's just be a warning to you. You know, you're as good as dead if you testify. <laughs> Got back in the truck and left. Dunbar went to the mayor and handed in his badge and said, I quit. 
and he took off for parts unknown. Yeah. So uh, his attorney managed to get a uh, an extension on the court, at which time McElroy was continuing to harass everybody, and they were really getting pretty peeved, peeved about it. Until one evening, uh, he and his child bride, Trina, walked into the D&G with a uh, World War II M1 carbine with a uh, bayonet, a bayonet on it, and uh, McElroy took it and he was kind of working the mechanism, and he was talking about you know that Bo uh, Bowen camp, you know, he's going to get him, he's going to get that Bowen camp, and uh, he wasn't sure how he was going to do it, but he was going to do it with this, you know, holds it up, and he wasn't sure if he was going to cut him open with the bayonet first and then shoot him or shoot him first and then cut him open with the bayonet. Well, the sheriff was called. He's violating his release agreement by the court. He's out on bail. And so here's a violation. They come and they arrest him and they take him in. His attorney shows up and they said that we should have a violation hearing and they scheduled a hearing in July. And this is this is how the whole thing went with this guy. It was like, even if he was in there and, and it was a full-blown court, if you take that county and the next county and the next county, they all know each, each other. You, you would have people on the jury that would be afraid to convict him. Or you'd have people on there to convict him of anything. But they'd all be afraid of him. Like like I said, he knew everybody. And I'm sure that he would have been sitting in that courtroom just glaring at him with those dark, black, beady eyes. Well, anyway. So the hearing was due to come up in about a week. But the sheriff was called in county sheriff and they were going to have a meeting in the vfw hall because these people they they were living in fear they didn't know what to do with this guy and he just kept pushing and pushing so so it was a nice afternoon they're all in the vfw hall and i'm talking about why they can't get this guy off the street and how are they going to protect these four people that were witnesses well the uh, the sheriff decided to just you know he, he decided probably the best way to do it is to form a neighborhood watch and you can assign people to watch these four witnesses like 24 7 to make sure that uh you know mcelroy doesn't harm them or or threaten them anymore no more phones, mysterious phone calls. So I thought, while they were they, while they were in there, <laughs> um, guess who shows up in town? Ken McElroy, with what's her name? Trina. At that time, she was sixteen, I think. 
Yeah, I think it might have been 16. So, and they and they go into the tavern, and they're sitting there drinking. Somebody runs over the VFW hall and says, he's in town. He's over at the D&G. And uh, the sheriff at this point says, well, you, you, you got my opinion about it. And he, he splits. He takes off. <clears throat> sheriff leaves. Grabs in his uh, prowl car. He, he's hightailing it down the dusty road. So that leaves um, at least 40 or so, perhaps 50 people <clears throat> inside the VFW hall getting pretty angry, wanting to know what to do. And they decided that <clears throat> McElroy wasn't the only one who could intimidate people. So they all left the FW Hall. Someone catty corner up to the, the gas station was waiting there. And a whole bunch of them went into the D&G Tavern. And they were all kind of surrounding him and all. Now, there was nobody in there except McElroy and his girlfriend or his wife. They still, they're not sure if they actually had a proper marriage license or not, but it didn't matter. He began to feel a little bit uncomfortable and unwanted. So he decided he was going to leave. So he gets up and uh, goes outside, gets in his truck. With uh, his child bride, but didn't leave right away. Everyone else is funneling out of the out of the tavern now, and they're kind of almost surrounding them. I mean, they're on the sidewalks watching them. Some are over here in the street. Some are over here at the gas station. Some are across the street, uh, including uh, the bar owner, who was kind of a cantankerous guy himself. When he drank, he got mouthy. Not violent, but when he drank, he got mouthy. And um, he had been drinking all morning. And apparently, at least the report years later was that while everyone funneled out the front door, he went out the back and went around. And next time they see him, he's coming from across the street. When no one saw him coming out the front door. But in any case... So there's uh, Ken McElroy. He's sitting in his truck, and he decides, you know, no one's going to tell me where to go, what to do. That's been his whole life. No one can tell me what to do. He sticks a cigarette in his mouth, and he lights it, and it takes a couple of drags. And he never heard the bullets coming through the back window. Uh, there was a couple of them, at least a couple of them. So there was uh, some say maybe three people shooting him. Or maybe two people, but there were two two different uh, size bullets. Uh, one was uh, two of them were twenty twos. Those are the ones that went through his head and killed him instantly. And the other one was from the windshield side, so they weren't sure exactly where that one came from. But yeah, they killed him, killed him, uh, killed him dead. Somebody did. And so uh, he was laying there bleeding, and of course. Uh, you know, what's her name? Trina. She was screaming and that. And uh, that guy that used to be the town sheriff, uh, he opened the door and managed to drag her out of the truck. And she's kicking and screaming. And um, 
No one called uh, anyone. No one called an ambulance. No one called the sheriff. No one called anybody. Maybe they called home saying they'd be a little bit late. There's some really interesting stuff going on in town. So it was investigated. County sheriff investigated it. No one saw nothing. No one saw a gun. No one saw anyone with a gun. Um, they uh, they were either turned the wrong way at the at the right time, or or they were just or they're in the wrong place at the at the wrong time. Uh, they just they haven't heard from anyone that admitted doing it or anyone else that had seen it. And state police investigated it, and it was the same story. Yeah, and after all of that, because of the situation, well, you've got an entire town covering up a murder. By the way, it was a murder in cold blood. Cold-blooded murder. That's what it was. That That is illegal, <laughs> you know, um, right? The FBI got involved, and they sent a couple of agents out to investigate it. But... Um, you know, after years and years putting up with, you know, Ken McClary or McElroy, uh, they know real intimidation and they weren't worried about these guys in suits at all. Um, <laughs> so they uh, they got nothing from anybody in the town. And that's kind of the way it ended. And it's been that way ever since 1981. To this day, no one knows who shot. Ken McElroy. And that that brings us to oh by the way that's a, a little bit little bit more to the story. His ex-wife and his wife the parcel of kids everybody loaded up some trucks and left. Um the the the, the rumor is that they actually left the state to where nobody knew. And it wasn't long after that that mysteriously his house burned to the ground. Yeah, they wanted to make sure that maybe the history of this guy was completely forgotten and buried. So here's a question for you guys. Were they justified? Do you think that they were justified and taking the vigilante action that they took to rid themselves of this person. Hmm? Hmm? I'm going to read some comments. Think about it. Think about it. Okay, well... Uh, three shot at the vehicle. Yeah. Well, that's, that's kind of been the, uh, the main con consensus was that they, they heard three shots, but it could be that the 22 just shot twice and b because they didn't see all three shooters, it would be impossible to see three shooters at one time. I mean, you know, bang, 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 maybe two. Um, maybe there's a guy behind you and you don't see him or something, or maybe you can pair notes later on, uh, to make people believe that, yeah, there was, there was three guys shooting. Um, 
in which case you'd know who it was. You'd know you knew everybody, right? But we don't know. And uh, they weren't saying. <laughs> All we know is that the evidence shows that there was two different types of ammo found. That's the evidence. Yeah, okay, Mike. Mike says, I don't feel qualified to answer. Maybe I wasn't there. Well, um, you know, you got to think of, you got to think of the, the story in the entirety. The guy shot two people. And, he, and the, the farmer, he thought he had killed. He saw, shot him right in the gut with a shotgun. He figured, this guy's dead. So there was at least intent, and he got off. He got off free. Guy lived. Oh, by the way, the store, uh, Bo, he lived as well. So it wasn't murder, but it was attempted murder in two, in two different cases. And, of course, rape of a 14-year-old girl and other odds and ends that he did kind of adds up to... Uh, the fact that the justice system was not. Uh, it was a legal system that failed. They just weren't prepared for the shyster from Chicago to pull every trick he could to get this guy and uh, keep this guy out of jail. And he did. He pulled all kinds of stuff. But, um, and so what do you do? I mean, honestly, they were living in fear of their life. This guy tried to kill two people in cold blood. The courts were useless to them. Failed them time after time after time. 24 times. So in there lies the situation. Okay, I mean, it's like, yeah, I wasn't there. I didn't see it. But we know the situation, and we know the guy was shot by somebody in town. So be that as it may, you know. Now, uh, being in law enforcement for over 20 years, uh, I can tell you I know what the law is. And the law is there for a specific reason, so society doesn't go batshit crazy. But even that doesn't guarantee that society is not going to go batshit crazy. Um, and I can also tell you that um, the legal system doesn't mean justice. The legal system means the uh, law. <laughs> That's it. You know, you've got you've got black and white. Maybe there are some gray areas. You know, that's why they came up with a reasonable doubt. There is your gray area. You know, um, but the law is the law. And it was murder, cold-blooded murder, which is the law. If they found out who had done it, he would have been arrested, and he would definitely would have been prosecuted, or they would have been prosecuted. But the town hid the two or the three from prosecution by saying, we don't know. That's how that's how much this guy was hated. That's how fearful the town people were. 
They, they saw this guy's a monster. What do you do to a monster? It's like, it's impossible to prosecute the guy. He just assumed, shoot all the witnesses, then go to jail. And then shoot all the witnesses to the shootings he did after he shot all the witnesses. And he was called a bully. Which I thought was ironic. He was a town bully. Yeah. Yeah. Before the internet. Absolutely correct. The law failed them. And the citizens took matters into their own hands. Because it became a necessity to protect their community. Legally, legally it was wrong. Legally, it was murder. But the question is, was their action justified? That's the question. Was justified? You know, anyway, so the guy, go ahead and get out of here. So, uh, Ken McElroy. I mean, you know, how, how cold-blooded can you be when, you know, you, you kidnap the girl you raped from her house and then come back when the parents aren't there, shoot the dog and burn down the house. There's some serious shit wrong with this guy. I mean, he wasn't just slow. Bad seed, man. Yes. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, it's 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 a legend that last lasted what forty years now. Is how how many years has it been since nineteen eighty one? And um, and you're from that area, you know, before the internet, you're you're from that area, and you know the story, and you have no idea who who did it. Nobody does. And I, it's funny though, because the county he lived in is where he did most of his damage um most of his crimes you know it's like he'd go into other counties and he was wanted in other counties as well i mean as far as charges there are at least three other counties that he would go in and out of with his stolen goods or whatever business associates he would call them <clears throat> but um but it was his home county you know, they, they, they got most of the evil that just belched out of this bastard. Uh, yeah, psychic, yeah. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, he, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, he raped the dog first, then he shot the dog. Then he raped the dog again. 
Then he threw the dog in the house before he burned down the house. Then he went in the house, found the burnt dog, and raped him again. That's how bad this guy was. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the storekeeper, not only was he 72 years old, but uh, everyone loved this guy. Everyone loved Bo. And he, he never had a bad word to say to anyone. Not not even this asshole. He, he, you know, he in fact he didn't even have every, anything to do with the incident that happened in the store with the stolen candy. His wife did, and one sales clerk, and that was it. Bo wasn't back. You know, Bo's job was basically to make sure that all the shelves got stocked and everything was ship shape. You know, it was his wife that actually ran the actual business. But for some odd reason. McElroy decided he's going to have to uh, shoot Bo. The guy was twisted, man. Twisted. Okay. So I wonder if my music's going to be too loud if I play the ending uh, music. Well, maybe not too loud. Yeah, low rider. Yeah, no kidding. But you know, by by that time, by the time it happened, there wasn't a person in that town who had given a crap what would happen, you know, to Ken McElroy. And it just coming from the VFW hall where they got all stirred up. And then after it happened, no way, no one's going to, you know, the, the person that did it, he's, he's, he's a freaking hero. A freaking hero. They're not going to turn the guy in. No way. Or people. No way. Gorky Park, yeah. Oh, it's an interesting place. It's in Moscow. Yeah, Moscow. Nice, nice town. They got some assholes there, but you know, it's a, it's a nice town. Gorky Park, uh, in the wintertime, the lake just freezes over and everyone's out there ice skating. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. So, yeah, I could see. I don't know what... Uh, Ken McElroy has to do with it, but uh, there was a movie called Gorky Park, too. Yeah. Kind of a German, German, a Russian uh, uh, police detective who done it. It was kind of a, it was really a good, good, good show. Okay, so Gorky Park. Yeah, okay. Yeah, pretty proud of the people. Number. All right, well. It's uh it's midnight at the Oasis. And so uh thank you guys for showing up for another show. And I'll be back again next week. Hopefully hopefully 
See, last week you couldn't hear the music at all. This week it was too loud. And, you know, and I even did a test. I even did a freaking test and played it back. And I'm like, yeah. I need I I need a I need a, a somebody to help me out here. Yeah, something with bananas in it. <laughs> that that is that cryptid's favorite drink, by the way, because he loves banana and macadamia nut liqueur. Okay, so this is it for me. See you next week, same time, same place, all that jazz in a different location in the Oasis Tiki Lounge. Last week it was over here. The week before it was over there or over here or down that way, somewhere down that way. And now we're here. Okay, take care, guys, and be safe out there.